0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to that Chelsea podcast episode eighty-seven, stinging the Hornets. <laughs> Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, the podcast that is delighted that Liverpool stayed between 17 and 20 league titles. When Philippe Coutinho scored to put Villa 2-0 up, we thought the bitch is back and that we'd be better off dead. The truth is, at that point, we were a long way from happiness, but we knew that we had to believe. As we looked for an answer in the sky, Ilkay Gundogan and Rodri truly delivered, a city who were chasing the ground, succeeded, ending Liverpool's quadruple hopes. Chelsea did also play two games of football this week, um, one against Watford, hence the Elton John references in this intro. I'm joined by Doug Davies. How are we doing, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Pretty dire performance today, but got the job
2: done and we can uh, relax a bit for a few months and then uh, get all stressed again
1: next season. Exactly. It was it was really silly season, end of season vibes today against Watford. Special, special duo joining us today. First up, returning to the podcast... It's Patrick Larson. Pat, how are we doing, my man?
3: Nick, I'm doing well and good to be back with you and with Jack and an honor to be on with my man, Jam. So, uh, you know, I think I thought Jack covered it well. I mean, kind of a not a stellar performance today. We've got the job done, but I think we're I think there's a few more exciting things that happen today. If, if if I'm correct on that.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And returning to the pod, is jam. It's the first time jam has been on with Jack this season as well. So it's been it's been, it's been too long. So, Jam, how are we doing, my man? Oh wow! I didn't even realise that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, doing really well. Um, as as the boys have said, the results went our way today. Um, I'm a little bit annoyed. I hate Man United. I'm a, I'm a bit annoyed they didn't make it into. Um, they obviously made it into Europa League, but yeah, it is what it is. Life is good. Just Hala Madrid now. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, exactly, exactly. We're now Real Madrid supporters of this podcast. Yeah, it's renamed for that, that Real Madrid podcast, et cetera, for the next week or so. Um, But yeah, it's good. We're in good spirits because City won the league and Liverpool's quadruple dream went up in smoke. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. And to be honest, I think, as you'll gather, when we talk about the pod and the two games in general, I think our focus wasn't really on these last two games because Chelsea, thankfully, before we even played against Leicester first, now our top four secured because Newcastle did us a right solid favour beating Arsenal 2-0, and it also meant that, that Arsenal, those Arsenal fans were saying, we're coming for third, Chelsea, better watch out, missed out on <laughs> Champions League football altogether, as they end up in the Europe League this season. Fair play to Spurs, they're in the Champions League. Not sure how I feel about that, but I mean, considering, considering uh, how Arsenal were going conducting themselves and their fans, I suppose I don't mind too much, and that's what you get for butchering that Thomas Tuchel chant that we had. <laughs> um, right, before we get into the football, I've got to ask, just Jack, feelings that Liverpool's quadruple has ended and we are not sold, we cannot take the blame now. We are not, you know, some pressure <laughs> off our backs. We have not given
2: Liverpool two of their four trophies this season. Yeah, I think we would have been getting a lot of stick from a lot of my mates, like United fans, if if um, Liverpool had gone and done the quadruple and we'd, uh, yeah, been on, on the end of two, two, uh, cup final losses against them. But yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah, if you're like, obviously we wanted City to win, but if you were like a neutral today, watching those two games on Sky Sports and them keep flicking between what was going on, it was, yeah, uh, <laughs> just literally what you what you want to see on a final day of the season, basically. Um, and City, yeah, coming back again, winning 3-2. Um, just, yeah, glad, glad that Liverpool ha- haven't done, haven't been able to do the quadruple, but at the same time, we've got a, sit down and, and look at ourselves and think we're still 20-odd points off the two of them and how, how we can improve over the summer and try and close
1: that gap on them. Yeah, I guess ultimately our season, not full success, but part of our joy in how we view this season came down on City doing us a solid and running Liverpool winning the league in a good Drupal dream, which kind of says how it was. Um, Jam, just quick thoughts, feelings, City win the league, you know, I mean, Again, it's another Premier League title to them, so they're probably catching up or maybe even overtaking us now in terms of titles or level of us, etc. But it's City, so no one really cares. And, you know, Liverpool have <laughs> won the leagues. Happy days. Yeah,
0: exactly. Who cares? They play nice football. You know, their manager's bald. It's, it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, who cares? Um, I mean, I couldn't believe how much I was crapping myself, uh, you know, in the final 10 minutes coming into it. I think... Um, obviously Villa was still winning two nil. And I was just thinking I had a, I had a bet on it as well. And I was ready to cash out and take a loss. And I was just like, now nah, I'm going to hold on because city could do a madness. And yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I switched over because I wasn't watching it. I was watching Sky Sports News. So I seen like all the goals come up, but yeah, I switched over and they were just onto them and big up. Like I knew Liverpool going to score. I knew Salah was going to score. Um, it, it was almost written. I just thought it was going to be a last minute winner to win in the league. And that would have pissed me off to no end. But um yeah, I mean, look, everyone could sleep well tonight. You know, the world has survived. You know, football is still alive. Liverpool did not do the quad, will not do the quad, will never do the quad. Um, and I just love seeing the Scouts tears. I tuned on to the Liverpool game as soon as the full-time whistle went to see all the fans, all the players disappointed. Did you see Salah getting his trophies? Walking out like this. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> oh, hopefully brilliant. we get that next yeah. weekend as well I just can't wait
1: honestly oh it's brilliant as well as a click because I think some fake news went around Liverpool but thinking Villa had made it free all and they're celebrating after they've gone 2-1 up and it's <laughs> oh, someone's had a wind up lovely stuff Wolves fans as well taking the mick as well Pat I mean you know God, we are cold hearted we are cold, <laughs> cold-hearted people here, reveling in this failure of Liverpool Football Club. But but we're Chelsea fans, so it makes sense. Your just feelings on, on City, you know, saving football.
3: Well, I was really concerned about the about all the pundits over at Sky Sports HQ that were underwater due to all their <laughs> tears, you know, to uh, you, know, <laughs> you know wishing for Liverpool success. So um, you know, and then you know here in here on NBC in the states, they right before they were talking about City's trophy presentation they, they just went on and on and on talking about what a great team Liverpool are and how they played like champions. And I'm like, I'm I'm like, come off it. I mean, it's, it's about time that, you know, we're getting ready for a presentation for four trophies and five seasons for city, you know, kudos to them, but it's, you know, we don't really care at the end of the day. We're Chelsea supporters, but um yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm thrilled for city. I didn't want to see a quadruple from Liverpool. I mean, Honestly, who really did want to see that if you're not a Liverpool supporter? But um I, I mean I think it's I think it's just great that that uh balance has been restored and that uh and Liverpool has been taken off at their high horse and they've come they've they come back down to uh come back down to Earth where they belong.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. We'll end it there because this is a Chelsea podcast and we do have to talk about football. Uh there were two games played. Uh we drew one all with Leicester and we beat one two one as Chelsea's Premier League season. Came down, Uh, won't spend long on Watford. I'll just brief summary. summary. Basically the story of the season, concede a stupid goal, score a good goal, Miss countless chances. Christian Pulisic missed an absolute sitter. Uh, But again, the game essentially meant nothing. So I'm not going to really go in on that. We drew 1-1. It was frustrating. Uh, And then we played Watford 2-1 today. Uh, Kennedy got a start. Yeah, Saul got a start. Barkley came off the bench. Um, It was just a proper end of season style game. But I think the highlight the best part of the day Ben Chilwell five months out came back onto the football pitch that's what we were delightful that is the main takeaway I think from today seeing Ben Chilwell back on a football pitch and yeah Chelsea 1-2-1 and just some you know fun stats with Ross Barkley's goal today it meant Chelsea broke their club record for the most scores in a single season with Ross Barkley taking it to 21 different players netting this season uh Chelsea end the season with nine home wins in the Premier League, which is the same they did as the same as they did last season, and their lowest at home since the 15-16 season when we won just five. So again, as we've mentioned before on this podcast, the home form is still a bit of an issue. And Chelsea made history today. Chelsea became the first side in Premier League history to go for a whole season without ever being behind at half time. Exactly. Stick that in the trophy cabinet. Um, but yeah, it was <laughs> it was good again you know Reese James obviously got two assists in this last week two assists in this last week taking his tally of assists in all competitions to 10 this season so Kennedy got an assist for Kai's goal today um yeah we just general i guess good vibes um Jack will go to you There's not really a huge amount to take away from these from these last two games but um just your kind of nah. thoughts um you know um, at the end of the season with in third place we secured third place which i guess was the main objective after top 4 being secured 74 points our best points tally since 1617 um, but, you know, a lot of draws in there, a lot of drop points, a lot of, you know, trends we've seen as well compared to similar season. Just your kind of brief thoughts. Obviously, I know we'll go into a season review, perhaps more in depth, but you're just kind of thoughts on these last two games just wrapping up our season.
2: I think, yeah, if we'd finished any, lot, like if we'd finished fourth, it um, <laughs> would have been it painted a pretty bad picture. Even for us to have Spurs only three points behind us at the end of the season, I think that's pretty poor. shows how many points we've dropped through the season. Um, I think my, my biggest takeaway from those two games was I was at the Leicester game and got back from it. And I know I can't go to games every week because I've got football, but I was at home and thought, when was the last time I saw us win at Stamford Bridge? I was like, <laughs> reeling them off in my head, like, we lost to Real Madrid, we've just drawn with Leicester, we lost to City, we drew with Liverpool, we drew with Brighton, lost to Brentford. Go all through these kind of things. And the last time I saw us win at Stamford Bridge was in January against Spurs in the League Cup. And then I and then I thought, when was the last time I saw us win in the Premier League? It was the eleventh of September against Aston Villa. So I was like, Oh, that is just an atrocious record. I told some of my friends and they said, Just stop going, please, stop going. <laughs> but um yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly, Nick. You look at the record and nine wins at home just isn't, isn't good enough. And that's clearly one of the main things, main issues we've got to correct for next season to close that gap on the other two. Um, but yeah, as we said, the games were just pure end of season style. Just, I think most of the boys are on the beach, to be honest. So give them, give them their couple of months or however long months rest or whatever getting back sharp and and we'll go again next
1: season yep jam it kind of feels like basically ever since we got knocked out of the champions league by real madrid in heartbreaking circumstances we have been on the beach really you know we kind of showed up against palace second half business as usual get to another wembley final Uh, and then the fa cup final. to be fair we did turn up we just couldn't you know put the ball in back on there but aside from that aside from maybe leeds game where we were pretty good like in general it's just been on the beach vibes sloppy errors, conceding silly goals, not taking our chance. It's been really, <laughs> been really weird. It's been pretty unenjoyable to watch, which is why I think, you know, a lot of us kind of just relieved the season ended. But I guess what are your kind of main takeaways from these two games? Because said, you know, despite Chelsea being on the beach and maybe we could have got more points than we did, is the most points we've got since we last won the Premier League title, which I guess is a positive. But you just kind of takeaways from these last couple of games.
0: Yeah, just quickly on what you said there, Nick, I kind of saw it from quite a while ago. I... I'm quite an optimistic guy, usually quite positive. But as soon as I realised we're in trouble because players have started to say that they're going to leave, you know, obviously we, the way we went out to Madrid and some of the performances I saw straight after that Madrid game, I was like, alarm bells, alarm bells, alarm bells. And I was thinking, actually, your top four's in trouble here. But I'm glad we got it done. Um, and yeah, that, that Leicester game was just, I could have... I would never bet against Chelsea, but I could have uh, put money down. We were not winning that game. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got some stupid optimism just before the game. I think I tweeted, I said, oh, yeah, we're going to win. The Mount's going <laughs> to score. But I think it's just me getting excited. And I, I was such an idiot because I was thinking the whole time up to it. I know what's going to happen. Leicester going to score one of these stupid goals in the counter. What happened? It was almost a bit of a counter anyway. But, yeah, it's just boring. You know, I don't think anyone particularly, not many players at least, have that drive to really want to do something. They don't need to, you know? And when you're performing at this level, the elite football level, where you're literally, you've got coaches employed to get extra percentages out of your performance, that little drop-off of knowing that you're playing for nothing is huge against teams that might have something to prove. So Leicester, they had something to prove because they've had a really bad end to the season or season in general, they wanted to get a point there just to kind of lift the spirits a little bit. Watford, I think, you know, you don't want to go down getting absolutely smacked. So maybe they have a little bit to play for too. But yeah, both performances, not that great. You know, on the beach vibes. I don't want to read too much into them. But my only thing is, I like it when a team finishes off a league season strong. Because I still think there's some 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 things that you can take into the next season. Whether that's confidence, whether that's just I don't know, reputation, whether that's a fear factor. We've had a really poor end to the season, so I'll be interested to see how we start next season uh, because it's been a quite a long stretch of games where we haven't really got that many wins. So,
1: yeah, it is what it is. We've done
0: it. We've done what we needed to do, finish third, just move on narrowly. Really. Yeah,
1: exactly. Chelsea had 62 points from their first 30 games and they took 12 from their last eight, ending with 74 points per season. I think the XG against Leicester was something like 1.66 to 0.08. I think Leicester genuinely scored for only shot on target. And, I mean, Madison got me fantasy Premier League points, so, you know, in a dead game, so we take it a move. But no, it was Leicester were just dull. And then Watford. Pat, Watford is probably, I feel like it's probably in a season of Quite bizarre, funny moments. I think back to Sal somehow getting minutes of a burn about when we're chasing a goal. I think of Ross Barkley coming on to score a penalty in the FA Cup final. But Kennedy getting an assist for Kai Havertz in his only Premier League minutes for us this <laughs> season. And then him going down with Cramp being absolutely knackered in under an hour. <laughs> then Ross Barkley scoring. It just kind of like this this crazy season, this probably the most bizarre Chelsea season in recent memory. Just kind of everything that has could have possibly happened has happened. Just kind of ending off in this, yeah, just ending off in just quite a comedic, funny way. Because again, Barkley's goal, it it just dribbles into the net. The header gets saved and you sort of just see it roll into the net. After we've conceded, you know, to make it 1-1, you think, oh, we're ending with a draw, but the creditable is one. But just kind of your thoughts, takeaways from these last two games.
3: Yeah, um, you you talk about the Ross Barkley goal. I believe that was his 100th appearance for Chelsea as well. So, uh, you know, so that's you know, just leave that to Ross Barkley, a goal like that. It kind of sums up his Chelsea career. Um, I think what candy, it's his first appearance for us. I think it's 2017 or the 2017 season or something like that. So it's just one of those. Um, I think these last two games are kind of, like I said, part and parcel of Chelsea's season. Um, you know, we started out the season on a real flyer and, you know, spent, I think we forget that we spent a lot, you know, quite a bit of time at the top of the table, um, you know, and so, but then the Christmas period came and the busy Christmas fixture, like it's been in the last several years, you know, we just, I don't know if, you know, is it a depth issue? Is it, uh, you know, it's, it's probably a little bit of a lot of things, but, um, and then toward the end of the season here, like, you know, jam, I thought referenced it very well. Like we had these long stretches where we're underperforming, not getting goals, uh, you know, dropping points against teams that we should be beating. And, um, the problem that we've had all season is we, create chances, but then we don't, then we don't finish. And um, it's amazing to me that we had, that we ended up with as many goals as we did, because it, I just feel like the number of chances that we create and the number of chances that we botch are just incredible. I mean, you, you referenced the Christian Pulisic goal earlier. I mean, that's just a, a great example of just a lot of players, you know, coming up and missing clear cut chances. And, you know, if it's a Liverpool or Man City, those are put away. And, um, you got the likes of Tottenham finishing off a team like Norwich today. What did they score? Five and Son scored like two in a couple minutes. And, um, and we're here we are playing Watford, who are equally, equally horrific. And we're, and we're just beating them 2 1 at home. And, you know, something's got to change. I mean, we, I, I thought Jan made another good point in the sense that. I believe I also believe in finishing the season strong because if you're a professional trying to play for the shirt, and really, even if you're playing for yourself, you're, you still have a job to do through a 38, 30, 38 game Premier League season. I understand that there's a lot of games. We played the most games in Europe, uh, you know, of any of any of, of any Europe's top five leagues. But at the end of the day, you know, you still have to be a professional and go out and do your job. And I really did feel like this last, this last bit of the season, especially after that heartbreaking loss to Real Madrid. Guys, as you guys have said, have been at the beach.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Chelsea end the season, 38 games played, 21 wins, 11 draws, 6 defeats, 76 goals scored, 33 conceded. And, like, we we won less games than Spurs in fourth and Arsenal in fifth, which is quite funny. And I guess it goes to testament about how much we've been on the beach since we, um, since we last, since we went out of the Champions League. Because, yeah, we've, I think we won three, drawn three, and lost two of our last eight games or whatever. So it kind of says, it all, yeah it's a weird one look there's not really too much to take away from these two games you're not going to get in-depth analysis because also I think a lot of people's attentions were elsewhere let's be brutally honest we're not no one really cared about today I don't think I think I don't think anyone was really moved by Ross Barkley scoring a last minute winner in a dead rub I think fans are more more happy and you know that City had won the league so yeah you're not going to go to too much I guess in-depth analysis on these last two games because as I said they weren't it was not great to watch. It was end of season vibes. we We've not really learnt anything from them. You know, against Leicester, we were all right. We just couldn't put one back in that. But in general, it's it's one of those. I guess, you know, other noble moments. Christian obviously, he's not featured in these last two games. He's not, I guess, not get that Stanford Bridge goodbye. Rudiger got his Stanford Bridge goodbye today, getting subbed off. Um, so it was nice to see him sort of get a reception that he deserved. Marcus Alonso scored against Leicester, wasn't in the squad today as he's had his last game. We don't know. As Plaquedo was at his last game today, we'll have to wait and see. Is it last game for a few other players in the squad? We will have to wait and see. But yeah, it was a weird, just a weird day. It's probably, again, the last two games, the football's kind of just been, you know, get it done. And we move on. And Chelsea, you know, thankfully, we don't have to talk about Chelsea playing league football now after this. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to, I guess, leave it there. And we're going to move on two listener questions first question comes in from rj what did you lads make of the match day squad for the past two games were you hoping expecting for some different types of changes if so who or were you comfortable with the personnel tuchel chose um jack i guess i'll go to you first obviously against leicester we did start a strong squad but still some road you know a couple of changes but it was a you know fully you know a strong squad tuchel wanted in third place Chalobah, in his you know pre-match media interview said he wanted third place you know and we're pretty happy you know pretty happy with that because they Chelsea you know they got to a four but we should be getting third shouldn't we so you know I guess fairly happy with that today against Watford were you kind of fairly happy with that squad I mean I guess there might have been some hope for some academy players but I believe Harvey Vale was ill this week you know so he wasn't really able to be involved but you know maybe could we maybe have seen someone like Lewis Hall in the squad could mm-hmm. we maybe someone who may featured in again instead of someone like Kennedy it's where do you kind of stand there? Because it's a tough one. Because obviously, you know, the under-23s had a tough season. They kind of need, you know, stayed up on the final day and needed some help uh, doing that uh, from, you know, some first-team players dropping down and playing in that. Were you kind of a bit disappointed not to see maybe a Harvey Vale, you know, a Lewis Hall yeah. in the squad today? Or at the same time, do you kind of think, well, Kennedy, Sal, they've been in the squad this season. They've not had their minutes. They need games. Or considering that they don't have a future here, are you not really fussed about keeping them happy? I, I think it's just more... <laughs> Almost like common
2: courtesy from Tuchel, just to kind of give them those those last minutes. You know, Sals, not, we're not gonna activate that that clause for, to bring him here permanently. So, just yeah, give them that kind of goodbye. I think is more more like out of respect for those players, the more senior players, the the likes of like Lewis Hall, etc., can get their chances again next season. But that was a great point you brought up, Nick. To be fair, because when he played in that FA Cup game, he was the best player on the pitch, by a mile, he was quality. So maybe we could have seen him feature, but at the end of the day, like we said, it's, those were dead rubber games. So I'm not too, too disheartened that he went with, with the more experienced boys.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And look, as I said, I think the main takeaway, biggest positive today was we saw Benchel get on the pitch for those five minutes and say, obviously we're only three subs in the Premier League as well. So, you know, and Rudiger got his goodbye. I think that was probably planned by Tuchel. You know, and then obviously Kennedy, which is poor bloke, was knackered and off <laughs> because he had played and was replaced by Malang Sarr. So again, Malang Sarr gets a run out. We don't know his future there. Jam, were you kind of hoping to see some different types of change in the squad, or were you kind of just comfortable with it all? Because obviously it's quite funny. You know, Kennedy and Barkley, players who don't have a, probably don't really have a future here. Were, were massively involved in that win today.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's kind of funny because um, I. I understand the value of playing such a game for for, um, a player in new squad. Completely get it. You know, you get that match they build up, that feel you're playing with first-team players. Like, they take a lot of value from that. I'm not underestimating that at all. But I I almost feel like today, I actually look back on it, I think Tickle did the right thing. I, I just think how significant would today have been for these players? That And, you know, you question some of these younger players at the moment, just this crop. They didn't have a great season are they realistically going to make it? I'm being harsh. I'm just looking at it from that angle. Um, and I would personally only really do it for, you know, the the real good players. So like Harvey Vale, if he, if he was fit, you know, and not ill, maybe I'd, I'd love to have seen him involved. Um, but look, I'm, I might be being harsh. with just saying it like that. I think actually, like Jack said, common courtesy today was quite nice because Barkley, uh, you know, we don't know what's happened there, but he just hasn't played. And, I feel for him because he's been with us for a few years and he has contributed to some success. So, you know, fair play. Just give him this game. I, I think there's more value in giving it to him, funnily enough, even though not for ch- Chelsea, but for him, just to say, cool, there you go. Thank you very much. Than it is to give it, giving it to a youth player that's going to be involved in pre-season anyway. Um, and I know that's not the same, but, you know, their time will come if it is to come with us. Um, and also, I'll, I'll add this. I, I feel like, was it like two weeks ago when they finished their season, by the way? It's a little yeah. while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, so, you know, perhaps they, they just haven't been fit. <laughs> you know, perhaps they haven't been, like, sort of working to keep up their fitness, you know, to, to the level needed. So maybe they just weren't available. Who knows? Um, But, yeah, I, I had no problem with it, to be fair. Um, I think it's quite good for Kennedy as well. I know, you know, he's been <laughs> in Chelsea, out of Chelsea, on loan and all that. I just kind of feel... Bad for him in the sense that he was playing, and we recalled him uh, from his loan, and then he didn't really play. He was just there as backup. It had to be done,
1: but I'm happy you got today at least. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, no problems from my end. Fair enough, Pat. What about you? Because obviously, you know, there is the counter argument. You know, Gian made good points, but also that these youth players, you know, we have lost some youth players because they've not, you know, felt there's a pathway at Chelsea, and being, you know, being harsh and taking, you know, you know, being out of it. There's no justification from, you know, Chelsea don't really have anything to gain from playing Sal today. don't really have anything to gain from playing Kennedy today, from bringing Ross Barkley on, because those players may well, well, Sal certainly won't be here next season, give the opportunity to to a young player. So there is that argument. Where do you kind of stand on it all?
3: You know, it's a tough one because I do like to see youth being played, but I also think that you still have to earn it. Uh, you know, you guys have brought up great points about, you know, the Chelsea under 23s. It's not like they, it's not like they won the, you know, the under 20, under, the under 23 league this season. So, uh, you know, and I think that, I think if they, if it, if it would have been that type of situation and you were trying to like, you know, reward those players for doing a great job in the U 23s, then, then, you know, that may have been more of an argument for playing them, but, you know, other than kind of like what Jam referenced with like the likes of a Harvey Vale um, you know, they're really the top tier guys that are really gonna have a realistic shot of, you know, getting some minutes in the first team. I have no problem with Tomas Tuchel rewarding the 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 existing members of his first team, whether they're gonna be here after the season or not. Um, because the likes of Ross Barkley, you know, have been around as part of the first team all season, have barely, you know, have gotten minimal playing time at best. And you want to you want to reward players that are, in, that are in the first team at the moment as well. I'm a firm believer in, you know, bringing in uh, academy boys. I you know I'm I, I think I've been pretty clear on that you know, overall during my time on Chelsea Twitter. But at the same time, you can't ignore the, the 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 members of the first team that are on the fringes and not ever give them any playing time. So you know, because credit to them, like Saul has not played as much as he probably thought he would when he first got here. He didn't really create a lot of a pro he didn't really create much of a problem about, about that. Ross Barkley the same. Um, you know, Kennedy when he came back. I mean, I'm sure he was frustrated because he was he was playing in Brazil. But then he comes back and they're not, you know, there Chelsea was in the news enough this season for various things from the sale to you know a hundred other things. But we didn't hear a lot about, you know, play, you know, players that are on the fringes complaining about playing time. And I think that's really just a tribute to their professionalism. And I think that probably went into some of the decision-making from Tomas Tuchel today, Um, you know, reward those guys for their professionalism. They're still members of of the first team through the end of the season and let's give them some minutes. So I think for me, it's more of a case of let's just trust Tomas Tuchel on this. I know a lot of people were, you know, on Twitter, we're, th- we're throwing out things like here, mine, he reminds them of Josie Mourinho and never giving young players a chance. I'm like, let's not forget Lewis Hall did play this season, you know, in the Carabao cup. And so, you know, it's just these, it's these little things like let's not jump to those kind of conclusions. It's not like y- young players didn't get a chance at all. Harvey Vale did get a shot in the Carabao cup. Lewis Hall got a shot in the Carabao cup. So it's not like these guys didn't get a shout at the first team this season in any competition, it, we can't look at this one game and, and say that he's not going to give youth a chance. So I just say, let's trust Tomas Tuchel. I mean, he's done a lot. He, he's done so much right since he's been here. I, I, I say, give him the benefit of the doubt and, you know, let him choose the team as he sees fit.
1: Yep. Also played Trevor Chalabar in two cup finals against Liverpool this year, as well as other countless games in Premier League in Europe. Yeah, no, exactly. Thomas Tuchel certainly given, you know, the youth a chance this year. And he said, we saw, you know, Simmons, Sunset Bell, and they all start in the Carabao Cup against Brentford. Hall started against um, whoever we played in the FA Cup third round. <laughs> Who, whose name is Chesterfield? Chesterfield, Chesterfield. One, yeah. That's the one whose name I've forgotten. Chesterfield, exactly. Uh, we've seen them get some minutes. Obviously, look, RJ, I'm going to be brutally honest. I literally couldn't care less about these two games. I was genuinely like <laughs> not bothered. Like I couldn't There was no emotion for me watching these last two games whatsoever. No, I didn't get angry. I didn't get happy. I didn't get sad. I didn't really I was just kind of numb to watching Chelsea. Also, I wasn't really bothered. Like I can, I get people being a bit disappointed not seeing any youth on the bench. I mean, City had McAtee and Cole Palmer on their bench and they're going for a Premier League title against Aston Villa. But then again, we've also got youth in our starting lineup as well. It's a tough one. Chalabar was on the bench. Um, but I know he's established. I know there's going to be complaints going, you know, there's an opportunity. My only real complaints would have been if Harvey Vale was you know fit and ready and you know ready to play and if he'd not got featured that would have been my only complaint because i don't really have too many issues And lewis hall yeah he was brilliant in the fa cup but it's a non-league side as well i do feel we have to keep that remember and you know keep it grounded it would have been maybe nice if some of them could have got the bench to get an experience but it is what it is i'm not going to get too annoyed maybe it's a bit of a missed opportunity but i'm not too fussed ultimately there um Next question comes in from Dan Hill. Honestly, lads, it's been a blast and thank you for allowing me to be part of the show for up the season. One final question or comment from me. some your highlights of the season, your low point of the season and your favourite goal of the season. Jack and I will kind of answer this next week when I do the season awards. So it also gives Jack a bit more time to think about it and maybe steal these <laughs> two boys' answers. Um, Jam, I'll go to you. So first one, your, um, your highlights or highlights of the season.
0: Highlights of the season. I mean... Whilst we've been quite disappointed with how we finished off the season, I think, funnily enough, one of the highlights is this season compared to last, we seem to get quite a few more last-minute winners or late winners. Um, you know, I think the Leeds at home, even though we conceded late, we won. Uh, last-minute penalty, we had um, Ziyech against Palace. We had Havertz against Newcastle, uh, maybe a few others as well. So, you know, I think that shows a lot of grit, actually, um, despite us being toothless in front of goal most of the time. I think I'm going to add that as a highlight. Um, pff, other than that, guys. <laughs> Fair enough. He's <laughs> <Are you> struggling. <laughs> okay, Jack, I am
1: struggling. Your low, point, your low point of the season.
0: Uh, I think the low point will have to be when we got sanctioned. I could easily say the cup final, but you know, when you look back on it, to lose two cup finals and penalties, it's annoying that it's both against Liverpool. It's a penalty shoot at the end of the day. Um, I think penalties, you have to get, you know, the team that more times than not goes in there with the mindset of, we we should win this, we are the best, we've got less drama. You know, we always had drama in these two penalty shooters, shootouts, whatever it was. I think that can weigh in your mind and things will happen. So yeah, I'm not really counting those, but yeah, the sanctions, when that happened, it was just the amount of stick that I got, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the worry, the anxiety I had, I had to tap out after a week. I just said, this will sort itself out. I'm just going to pretend like it's, not really happening and just crack on with my life. And yeah, luckily enough, that's going to be sorted out soon, but I'd have to say it's sanctions.
1: And your favourite goal this season?
0: There's quite a few, so I was writing this down. Ziyech versus Spurs, Rudiger against Brentford, Kovacic against Liverpool, Mount versus West Ham, Havertz versus Newcastle, Chalobah against Palace. Like, these are the first ones that came to my mind. But do you know what? I've got to say Ziyech against Spurs, because I was at Stamford Bridge and I was sat in the perfect place to see that. I just saw it the whole way, just go in bins. And um, I saw it as soon as it left his foot. I, I just had the perfect view. I was like, that's a goal. Um, and
1: yeah, it was just brilliant. So I'll say, see yeah, it, Spurs. Fair enough. Pat, your highlight or highlights of the season?
3: Oh, well, <laughs> Jam covered it pretty well. But um, I would say uh, the Super Cup win against Villarreal um, you know, the, you know, Kepa coming in and, you know, people questioning that decision to bring Keppa in to, you know, um, to, to stay PKs and, um, you know, playing his part in a season where he didn't play a lot either. So, you know, so I would say that, um, club world cup, obviously, uh, being able to call yourselves world champions to no matter what anyone can say, no one can take that away from us. We're still the defending world champions until, you know, until the next competition. So, even though we can't call ourselves European champions anymore, no one can say that we can't say that we're not world champions. So um, I'd say the two trophies, um, low point of the season, I got to go with jam. It's the, it's the sanctions. Um, that honestly messed with my mental health. Uh, you know, it, 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 I mean, it was a really stressful thing because you're wondering what's going to happen with the club, you know, with the government sanctions. Or, and, you know, then, then you have people sensationalizing it and using it to their own ends. and um you you know, it, it takes a toll on you and you're seeing your club being put out there for, you know, your owner did this and your club did that. And, you know, these, this is coming from teams who have questionable ownerships, you know, themselves and, you know, questionable structures. So um, that was probably the, that was definitely the low point for me, you know, just off the pitch stuff that was, you know the boys, to their credit, were trying to were taking care of things on the pitch as best they could, but you know to say that that didn't affect them at all, I think I don't think you can possibly say that, and it certainly affected the supporters and the mood on not not that Twitter's ever a very positive place, but it it made it it made it that much worse and um so let's see goal of the season i I gotta go z s against Spurs as well because number one it's against Spurs, so I mean <laughs> That that nasty that nasty beautiful left foot of Hakeem Ziyech when he uses it like that that's what you love to see and again it's against Spurs um, a very very close second is uh, the, the Kovacic goal against Liverpool I mean when he's leaning back and you know Kovacic barely ever puts the ball on target when it comes to taking a shot so to get a world to get a worldy like that um, on top of the amazing season that Mateo Kovacic did have um, I thought he made a lot of strides forward this season. Um, I would say those two stand up above the rest, but of the two, it's got to be ZX against Spurs.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. And Dan said, we will answer your question, Jack and I, when we do this season review, when we look back, do out some words and look back at our prediction from the start of the season, et cetera, and laugh at them. Um, But yeah, okay. Next question comes in from Dean Mears. 19 points to make up. Look at some of the games we've dropped points in. It doesn't seem like it's that big of an ask. Can we challenge next season? No. Um, before I, I'll, I'll, I'll extend later, Jack. Can we challenge next season? <laughs> um, no, probably not. But
2: we can certainly close that nineteen-point gap. So yeah, I, I don't think there's, there's too much you can need to say about it. We've got we've got the great like a great coach. Um, Hopefully we've got new owners coming in with fresh ideas and wanting to impress the fans and make some big marquee signing that will get us straight on board. Um we've yeah, we're one of the biggest clubs in, in the world. We've we've got the all the tools, we just just need to um get it all together and and put performances together and stick the ball in the back of the net, like Jam alluded to earlier. We've been toothless for 70 80% uh, of the season in front of goal, just so many chances. We like the other week, we we're looking back at Leeds saying great performance, we won 3 0. But you, you think, how many chances did Lukaku have in that game? We scored three goals, but we <laughs> probably had about 15 chances to score. So, yeah, just the clinicalness. We I know we repeat it all the time. But if we can do that and not drop silly points, then we can certainly close that gap and be closer to the other two. But we know what the, the class the other two have. Uh, and I think that's still a bit too far for us.
1: Yeah. Dean, the reason I say no, um, and I'll get on to Jam after, but Jam and I have actually had this conversation before. I think we're quite aligned there. In fact, that Chelsea, 19 points gap to make up. Obviously, there are some extenuating circumstances in the fact that we had covid We played some bad injuries to key players, etc. I get that. But we've still seen the same trends and patterns emerge as we have seen in previous seasons. We've seen Chelsea's league form, you know, be really iffy for a number of months. Um, And ultimately, we're losing big players this summer. We're losing Tony Rudiger. We're losing Andreas Christensen. We might be losing Cesar Esplacueta. Thiago Silva's getting getting a year older. We don't know what the future has for Jorginho and Kante, and we've still got a misfiring attack. Being cynical, me I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. So I, I logically don't see how we close the gap next season. I know there's obviously some certain circumstances where we've conceded some, you know, sloppy points. You know, Fab, but we failed to be. We drew twice with Brighton this year. Although to be fair, we were lucky to draw both games. We have dropped a lot of, you know, poor points. You know, drawn twice with Wolves, and that includes, you know, bottling a two 0 lead, etc. There's a lot of silly points dropped, and I get that. But I also, think ultimately, our squad. We obviously don't know what's going to happen in the summer, and we might have a brilliant summer signing, loads of brilliant players. But I think fundamentally our squad is going to get weaker because I don't think you can improve. We I don't think we can get a left centre-back who is as good or, you know, as good as Tony Rudiger. Andreas Christensen, for whatever, whatever anyone wants to think about him, for the way his time has ended at Chelsea, for, you know, some of the inconsistencies, I don't think we're going to get a, a player as good as him. Trevor Chalabar will be in his second Premier League season. OK, so he will have learned a bit, learned a lot from this season. So as, as Lequeira, I think it is time for him to go and he may well be off, but you're still losing some leadership there. I don't think that's a huge deal, but you're losing big players. Jorginho may be off. Kante may be off. We've saw all this season that midfield, you know, one or two injuries and it results in one player getting run into the ground. So, and our attack is still misfiring. For all Tuchel's brilliance, he's still not managed to get a consistent tune out of any of our attackers. So I can't say we're going to close the gap next season. We might close the gap if we have a brilliant summer, if we get players Tuka once in, but I've got a feeling it's going to be too much to do all in one window. So I don't think we're going to close the gap. And I think realistically, we're probably in for another top four battle next season. But Jan, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, um, I say unfortunately, uh, because it's slightly pessimistic, but I'm with you on this. Um, we've we've got a lot of surgery to do. Look, we're losing a lot of experience. We're losing a lot of winning know-how, whether we like it or not. You know, yeah, we could say that actually some of the mentalities of these players stink. We could say that. Um, You could argue a lot of these players are leaving. But actually, it doesn't mean that we get a player in and they're performing at their highest level straight away. Look at when we got Ziesch. Look at when we got Havertz. Look at when we got Werner. Look at all these players that came in in that window, how long it took them to get into it. You can argue Havertz is only just finding his feet now. and I know he's young. You could say the same with Ziesch; He's a lot older and experienced. So it could take a little while. We might even be changing to a four at the back, hopefully, because I've got a, I've got an agenda against three at the back. Anyway, I had to get out of there. But, you know, there's a lot of change happening this summer. It looks like, a, a, you know, some of the backroom staff are moving around as well. So this is, um, I, I've started to get more excited by this um, opportunity for change. But Christ, we, we went into this season just finished, knowing that we've got a squad that's just won the Champions League And on a high. And that's why we started well. It's what I said earlier. I I strongly believe if you finish off the season well, you start the next one well. You're more likely to. This time round, it's going to be a bit different, plus a lot of change. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to go backwards to go forwards. Man United are not hanging about. Spurs are not hanging about. Even, I just about say, Arsenal not hanging about. You know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a top four battle next season, I think, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. United can't get any worse. Spurs if they back Conte like whether you think of him for going to Spurs he's a brilliant manager and he's got Spurs only three points behind us and obviously part of that is down to ourselves you know kind of being on the beach for the last month or so but you've still got that in you know City and Liverpool you'd imagine will go from strength to strength as well they will not hang around and you've already seen you know City and you know doing their business they've got Haaland while we can't do anything at the moment because we're still waiting for the ownership to go through you know um i'd love to be optimistic and say we're gonna you know close the gap but i just don't see it and i think that's fine because i actually think next season a season with lower expectations of this why it's frustrating and you know maybe slightly go backwards but you have to i think we have to go backwards to go forwards because it's you know a rebuild and i think ultimately we won't perhaps feel as underwhelmed by you know next season as we have potentially by this season but pat what are your thoughts on that
3: I think your boys are spot on. I um, mean, you don't build a title winning side in one transfer window I, I just don't see how you do that. I mean, look at Liverpool. I mean, you know, like Klopp was given time and Klopp, um, you know, Klopp was able to get players of the profile that he wanted and Liverpool stuck with him and they, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like all, you know, hearts and roses for Liverpool when Klopp first came in. I mean, it was, you know, they struggled and, it, it took a while to get in, to get out the players that he didn't that he didn't see in his plans and to bring others in. And as you guys have said, this is a good opportunity this summer to do, to hopefully back Tuchel and, you know, try to put faith in that he's building a project, which, you know, we all know from being Chelsea supporters, we've never really had a project. It's chop and change managers, right? And so um, now there's been a lot of success behind that, but we've been really built to be a cup winning side. We've not really been a side really designed to, you know, to win, to win the premier league. Although we do have titles to our name. I'm not trying to say we don't, but you know, this is very much a cup winning type side. And um, this is a chance to bring in the the profile of player, hopefully that Tomas Tuchel wants. Um, Like I said, it's people, but then at the same time, we have to be patient as well, because people are going to know we have new owners with new money and you know, the, the other Premier league teams aren't stupid. They're not going to just, you know, sell players for nothing. And we still have a budget with, you know, with financial fair play still being around, however, you know, however seriously we take that or not, you know, it's when it comes to Chelsea, people seem to look at the rules. So, um, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, I think we can, I I think what Jack said is, is, is where I stand. I think that we can like, I think that we can uh, improve on how cl- we can get closer to city and Liverpool, but I don't think, you know, especially, you know, I don't think that we're going to overtake it like a 19 point gap. Um, as you already referenced, Nick Holland's already come into city. Like Jam said, Tottenham's gonna, not going to sit there. United not going to sit there. Arsenal and another team is Newcastle. I mean, they brought in Gima Rush in, you know, in January. And look at what type of side. They've, they've been a different team since January. And I'm not saying they're going to finish top four, but that's going to be another team that has money that's going to be able to to compete. And, um, it, you know, top four doesn't get any easier, but I think it's going to be all to play for next season.
1: Yeah, no, no, exactly. I think top four should, you know, be – I think we should get top four next season despite the uncertainty we're in because you still look – still keeping, you know – a lot of players that you know have got us there, but I just think ultimately, Dean, I can't see it getting, I can't see us necessarily improving a huge amount on this season. My main excitement though is, you know, we finally, Thomas Tuchel will finally get to build a squad in his image, and that will be exciting because we've basically seen a season and a half of, of Tuchel's kind of put his imprint on the side, but it's not really his team yet, it still doesn't feel necessarily his team, it's his, yeah, it is what it is. So, sorry for being maybe slightly pessimistic, but I just don't think we're gonna we can close the gap like that because say there's big players off and we've got to replace those players first before then strengthening other areas. Uh, next question comes in from Manan. Has free of a back gone stale for us? Will Tommy T revert to a back four next season? Jam, I'm going to go for you first because you're rubbing your hand <laughs> <to> this. <laughs> has see, has, to, has free of a back gone stale for us? And you know, will will Tommy T revert to a back four? But obviously I'm getting going to Vennel's say You hope we revert to a back four. <laughs> I get to run my
0: agenda. I love this. Okay. But, Three at the back. I think it can be a good formation. I think we did have players to suit this formation. Look, we started the season on fire. We obviously did very well last season with it when we reverted to it. The trouble is, lately, we've been leaking goals anyway. Is that not part of the reason was to, to, to go to three at the back was to keep clean sheets or to make it harder for the opposition teams to score? But actually, what was happening lately was it was highlighting quite a big fault with it, in my opinion, which was if you don't have a good playmaker like an, an elite playmaker like a Fabregas, which is the other time we went with three at the back, it, you find it incredibly hard to unlock defenses, fences, of to mid blocks. It's really, really difficult. And what happens is we just keep moving up all sideways like this until eventually we make an error, the team counterattacks and gets a goal. And then we've got a problem. So, funnily enough, a lot of our playmaking responsibility in this formation was actually going to our fullbacks or wingbacks. Now, when they aren't the dynamic duo that is Rhys James and Ben Chilwell, we have a serious problem there. We have a massive issue on the left. It was Malang Sarr. Saul played there a few times, but mainly Alonso. These guys don't exactly have pace and they're not exactly creative. Uh, Yeah. Albeit Alonso can get goals, but you wouldn't necessarily say that he's creative on the right. As Piliqueta, his legs have gone. He can't play that position. Um, and look, it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's too reliant on certain players playing. Now, you could argue that we could get cover for these wing-back spots with players that are maybe a bit more dynamic than what we've got now. But even then, you still want, like, elite players there for it to work. Or we need an elite playmaker. And when you add all that together, I just think we need too much surgery if we're looking at that, because we want a DM. We need to replace some of the centre-backs that are leaving. Do you know what I mean? So it's, we might even get an attacker. That's a lot of surgery then, if you ask me. So I think now we actually have more players that suit a four at the back. I think it's easier to get players that are used to playing in such formations too. So, look, I I think now's the time to now focus more on our attack than it is to actually focus on the defence. I think attack is the best one with defence after all. Um, And if we're leaking goals to some of these mid-table teams and dropping points at home, why not try and unlock that? Because you see City do it all the time where they're stuck It could be a draw until late on, they manage to get a goal. Liverpool do it too, but they're on the front foot. And I think with us, it's just a bit too reliant on certain positions. And I think, you know, we could give the ball to our attack a lot more if we've got a four at the back, because then we've got an extra midfielder in there, more movement. It makes it hard for the defensive team to actually mark all these players. So, so yeah, that's uh, a lot of it there in a nutshell. I could say a lot more, but I'm not going to bore you guys.
1: (laughs) Fair enough, Pat you like to see forward about next year
3: i'm with jam on this one um because the the wing backs you know the three at the back depends on two things you, you know a wing back needs to be able to contribute to the attack and to defend and with a lot of the guys that we have you know who aren't Ben Chilwell and Reese James they can do one or they can, and they can't do the other um so i'm not going i'm not going to go at individuals but we know who they are And they, uh, and when you, when you don't have a wing back doing both jobs, you know, you're reliant on uh, a Tiago Silva and an Antonio Rudiger being brilliant every game. And we, and we saw that in the champions league run last season. I mean, when, when we had, when we would have a wing back on the left that wouldn't get back, we'd have Antonio Rudiger saving the day time and time again. And I, and also in the three at the back system, you suck as jam referenced, you sacrifice a midfielder that could potentially, or an attacker that could potentially, you know, contribute to the attacking phase of our game. And a lot of times um, um, if we don't have it, like, if we don't, if, if we, don't, we don't have that, we get overly defensive. And if we can't keep the clean sheets, then what's the point in employing that system. And uh, I'm a jam. I think attack is the best form of defense. Um, if you're not going to be able to, you know, have that defensive side of your game, why are you sacrificing the attack? And, I think that Tomas Tuchel has used that system primarily because he, the personnel that he had at his disposal this season was probably, you know, he felt more comfortable with that, you know, with using that three in the back system because we have people who are who fit just one type of system. I think if he gets a chance to bring in players that he wants, I mean, if you look at his days at PSG and Dortmund, he employed a, a four at the back system. So I think if he can get in the players to employ that system he can at least have the ability to go between systems and use three at the back when he needs to and four at the back when he needs to throughout the season. I feel like right now we've been so one dimensional that it doesn't matter who we play against. If we're playing against a team that puts in the mid to low block, we're still playing that three in the back system, which plays right into their hands. So um, it's only, it it, it seems to work against the top sides because they're not playing the mid to low block on us. And so um, I, I think that, at the very least, we need to have the ability to play for at the back next season. And I think that needs to be come across in some of the signings that I think Tomas Tuchel wants to make.
0: I'll just yeah. say so really quickly as well. Sorry. Um, we've got a full preseason, no interruptions. Now's a great time to try and do that. Do you know what I mean?
1: There yeah. you go. And we have played <laughs> for the back for a little bit and we've had success playing for the back, many against Spurs. But, Jack, would you like to see, you know, go? to a back four next season because I said obviously also just looking at personal ones we're losing Rudiger who's best suited to a back three losing Aspera, quite a potentially who's best suited to a back three Christensen who's probably best suited to a back three obviously there will then be questions about you know silver in a back four potentially etc but he's been you know pretty flawless throughout for for Chelsea and throughout his career pretty much um and just in general like yeah. numbers wise there's a lot of centre-backs to replace to so just try and play a back three again in the first place so where, where are you kind of standing on it all that was
2: the exact argument I was going to say, what you just said, based on the personnel that are leaving us and rumoured to be leaving us, throwing Alonso there as well, that can only play three at the back. If players like that are leaving us, it probably is the is the right time to look at it and see who we can bring in to, to suit that back four and practice it over pre-season. Um, the only thing I'd say is if when we play the back fours, Someone like Reese, I know you can still get forward, but not as much as he can in the back in the back three. So you might be limiting someone like Reese and someone like Chile. Um, but I guess there's always sacrifices with whatever formation you go for. So whatever can get us fire, fire in best, that's what we should be should be choosing.
1: Which I then also then goes back to who you have in midfield, what kind of profile you have in midfield, and you mm-hmm. don't have to necessarily who you've got protecting that back line and who you've got in your team yeah. to potentially creativity helping going forward as well. So I think that's the issue. As I say, it's quite tough to say, um, Manan, like what will, we'll, you know, back three may well have gone stale. Um, we tend to see at Chelsea, you know, Conte had brilliant success with his first season, second season, it did go stale. You know, it's tough. Three of the back still has its day. As I say, it worked brilliantly against Liverpool in two cup finals. You know, it kept us clean sheet. We still created chances in most finals. We just didn't take them. You know, three of a back certainly in certain games still certainly has its place, but obviously when you're playing maybe less sides like, for example, is a three of a back needed necessarily against Watford or or Norwich or you know your lesser Premier League side? Perhaps not. Um, although you know, again, we still did score seven with a back back five or a back three against Norwich, so it is what it is. But yeah, it's um it's a tough one. Obviously, you know, I think a lot of people would like to see goes back four. You know, it might be nice to go to a back four. As said as long as we've got people who can do a role and obviously it'll be very interesting to see the players who we sign because obviously if we go for someone like Jules Kunde, you kind of think he's not the tallest centre-back he would maybe be someone better suited for a three so again it will be interesting to see uh where we go with that and then my questions kind of go back to our original topics earlier Shyam what was running through your mind when City were drawing to all and Tom how are you at two nil and one one in the title race um yeah Shitting it, shitting it to be (laughs) perfectly honest. My mood, I couldn't care less about the Chelsea game. I was more focused on what was going on elsewhere. I was honestly, I was genuinely thinking, like, if Liverpool won, I was genuinely thinking, how can I, I might have to abandon, I might have to abandon this beautiful game. Might have to (laughs) give it up because I can't, I can't, they would have, they would have sported a team, they would have loved football in a world where Liverpool dominate. But yeah, boys, again, kind of, we kind of, I guess, discussed that at the beginning. Of the episode so yeah that's your answer there boys i said you know perhaps not the longest episode today but again with not a huge amount to talk about and i guess for listeners we can talk We we'll have a more in-depth discussion on our on our season review when we get around to recording that but i want to thank our guests for coming on jam and pat uh jam before you go give yourself a plug where people can find you on twitter where they can find the chelsea social etc
0: Yeah, so um, on Twitter, my handle is at carefree underscore jam. It's the same on Instagram and TikTok. Um, Admittedly, I haven't really done as much content as I usually do. Um, The reason for that is I didn't want to be too negative about Chelsea. So next season's a fresh start. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm obviously one of the co-owners of um, the Chelsea social. So that's at the Chelsea social and um, at the CFCW social as well for the women's team. So um those are all um on the instagram as well those uh those two handles there
1: but um no, thanks very much Nick a pleasure, a pleasure, jam thanks for all your appearances this season. Look forward to having you on next season and Pat what before you go why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter
3: yeah, Nick, thanks to you and Jack for having me back on. You know how much I love this podcast and um just a quick shout out really too to jam into the Chelsea social um a lot of people don 't know this, but uh, you know, Jam and the Chelsea social kind of gave me a chance to, you know, get videos shared to a wider audience. And honestly, you know, it wouldn't have been possible without Jam and the, you know, the, and and the Chelsea social and the CFCW social. So shout out to them, please, please give them a follow. And I mean, you know, honestly, I think Jam's the king of match previews and match reviews. I really do. But, um, you know, without him and out that without that platform that still continues to share my content, I really appreciate that. And, um, So you can find me on Twitter at, uh, it's at PTP underscore C-O-Y-B, and I do match previews, match reviews, and um, just again, Nick, Jack, thank you so much for allowing me to come on your platform and just kind of of talk. I think you guys do a phenomenal job in your own right, and you're one of the best Chelsea podcasts out there, and it's an honor to be on here and to be on with Jam today, so thank you.
1: Pat, thank you for the kind words. And Pat acting like two kings can't coexist when it comes to video previews and match reviews, <laughs> etc. But yeah, that's going to wrap it up this, this week. Uh, on, we're on Twitter, at thatchoseypod, on Instagram, at thatchoseypod, on all your usual podcast platform, Fridays, Apple, Spotify, et cetera. If you like what you've heard, give us a rating and review. It helps go a long way whenever I tweet pod out. Any likes, retweets, go a long way, Gets us onto other people's timelines. Um, and yeah, thanks for all your support. This season, we've got one episode to go. Season review. Uh, we'll get that next week or the week after. We've got to find a date to record. Um, but yeah, until the next episode, everybody keep the blue flag flying high.
3: Sports Social Podcast
0: Network.